Hello and welcome to Workhorse, the podcast about Royal Australian Air Force C-130 Hercules aircraft. Today we're talking about Vietnam operations in the 1965 to 75 era. I'm your host, Bill Kurilakis. Some of you know me as K-9. I served over 30 years in the Canadian and Royal Australian Air Forces, primarily in air mobility roles. In this historically informative podcast series, I cover the entire history of Australian C-130s, including a look at how Australian history was shaped by Australia's Hercules aircraft. This podcast series is generally chronological, and it's based upon an extensive history book I wrote about Australian Air Force C-130s titled Air Mobility Workhorse, which should be published in 2024. We're going to start by cobbling together the picture for Southeast Asian operations in the 1965 to 1972 era. At that time, Confrontazi was still going on in Borneo, but was very close to ending. The Australian Defence Force still had a presence in Thailand, supporting the Southeast Asia Treaty Organisation, or CETO. The Royal Australian Air Force's Transport Flights Vietnam or RTFV for short, which was equipped with caribous, started operating in Vietnam to support the U.S. counterinsurgency from August 1964. In early 1965, the U.S. significantly increased its combat forces in South Vietnam, and on 29 April 1965, Australia committed a battalion and supporting elements to the Ben Hoa region of South Vietnam. By September 1965, there were more than 1,500 Australian Army personnel in Vietnam. In 1966, this was expanded with the creation of one Australian Task Force, or one ATF, just east of Saigon. RAF Iroquois helicopters came in 1966, and Canberra bombers were deployed to Phan Rang in 1967. Thus, 36 squadrons C-130As were flying to locations such as Ubon, Tawau, Kota Kinabalu, Labuan, Vang Tau, Phan Rang, Tan Son Nut Airport in Saigon, which later became Tan Son Nat in Ho Chi Minh City. As for the combat environment, Vietnam posed some risks for C-130 arrivals into the growing number of destinations. Ground battles rarely affected airfields because they were relatively well protected, but on occasion, those battles could erupt in the vicinity of an airfield. And C-130s had to deal with those threats. For example, one C-130A crew observed about 40 helicopters depart Vang Tau one day on March the 31st, 1966 to rapidly land on the other side of the airfield fence and disgorge loads of infantry to deal with an unseen attacker. Rocket fire sometimes accompanied these attacks, including rockets that landed on airfields. And there were unseen threats, including snipers who were known to target the ends of some runways, and some crew members began placing steel plates under their seat cushions once they heard about that one. To avoid the threats in those combat environments, crews often flew steep arrivals with aim points halfway down the runway, thereby avoiding threats in the vicinity of the runway threshold. And with uncertain conditions at every airfield, C-130 crews planned their missions to ensure they always had options to get out to Vietnam. And for the unlikely events where they would have to spend the night in a threatened environment, crews carried pistols, but they weren't issued holsters, so the pistols were carried in their flying suit pockets. Logistical resupply was, of course, the main aim of all of these C-130 missions into Vietnam, so let's have a look at those logistics arrangements. 
Logistic requirements were supported by one Australian logistics support company in Ben Hoa, one Australian logistics support group in Vung Tau, and later in the campaign, one ATF developed an integral logistics capability at Nui Dat. The bulk of the national support-based logistics came via ship into Vung Tau, and given the relatively close proximity of all forces, distribution from Vung Tau was generally by road. Despite this robust resupply system, C-130s played a pivotal role in transporting urgent demands to Vietnam and facilitating large troop movements such as the insertion of No. 2 Squadron into Phan Rang. Vang Tau, Ben Hoa, Tan Son Nut, and Phan Rang saw C-130s on a frequent basis. To support this effort, C-130 courier tasking was adjusted to accommodate the increasing demand for air logistics support missions into Southeast Asia. Up until 1965, sea courier crews flying from Richmond to Butterworth and return were tasked on an ad hoc basis from Butterworth to Southeast Asian destinations, generally in support of Confrontasi. With a major commitment to Vietnam, sea couriers were set on a fortnightly schedule, and commencing in mid-June 1965, a 36-squadron slip crew was placed at Butterworth to conduct the new Southeast Asia e-courier scheduled service, and we talked about that with Shorty Heffernan not too long ago. The first e-courier was flown on the 1st of July 1965 and was supported by the slip crew concept. But once C-130Es began taking over the bulk of Vietnam tasking, the programming became less predictable for 36 Squadron, so their new slip crew concept was discontinued in December 1966. 37 Squadron didn't use the slip crew concept because C-130Es had a longer range. In the early days of the Vietnam conflict, as I said, Confrontasi was still a thing, and flights to Butterworth had to go the long way around Sumatra. C-130AC couriers typically departed Richmond and Pierce with close to a full fuel load and approximately 20,000 pounds of cargo. With only rudimentary navigation in the C-130A, there was always this unspoken sigh of relief when a tiny speck appeared on the navigator's radar, indicating that the Cocos Islands were dead ahead. After refueling at Cocos, crews had a long trip to Butterworth, as Ian Gordon recalled, Quote, the trip from Pierce to Butterworth was a terribly long day. It took just over 19 hours, and by the time we reached Butterworth, we were whacked, end quote. Before the advent of slip crews, that exhausted crew would arrive at Butterworth and could be tasked the next day or the day after for flights within the region. The Indonesian diplomatic clearance restriction that caused C-130s to go around Indonesia remained in place until September 1966, when a Butterworth courier overflew Indonesia for the first time since Confrontasi started. One of the early beneficiaries of the reinstated diplomatic clearances was an aeromedical evacuation flight in early December 1966. That was flown in A97-213, captained by Commanding Officer 36 Squadron Wing Commander Dave Hitchens, and it overflew Indonesia in transit from Singapore to Darwin. This flight unofficially returned 20 litter patients, 40 walking wounded, and 6 caskets from Vietnam. And again, Shorty Heffernan mentioned this flight in our talk with him recently. This was possibly the largest aeromedical evacuation ever undertaken in RAF history, 
but it wasn't officially recorded, and so it's not the official record. This was followed shortly afterwards by 37 Squadron's first mission to Vietnam, which was an E and C courier, flown by Flight Lieutenant Bob Bobo Greenwood, who later became an Air Commodore, and his crew, who departed Richmond on the 14th of December. The more direct route was most welcome by crews, passengers, and patients. And the C-130E began to demonstrate its long-range capability. The courier routes were amended. In February 1967, 37 Squadron became the primary platform for couriers to Southeast Asia. When able, C-130Es would fly from Southeast Asia, Butterworth, Vung Tau, or somewhere like that, direct to Richmond. Only C-130Es were capable of such a long flight because the C-138 didn't have the fuel capacity to do so. The first of these long flights occurred on the 27th of February 1967, and it coincided with the largest officially recorded RAF aeromedical evacuation flight, 51 patients ranging from walking wounded to the seriously ill. Roger Bateson and his crew in A97-159 completed that 7,165-kilometer flight from Vung Tau to Richmond nonstop in 14 hours and 10 minutes. To manage crew fatigue on such a long mission, the normal crew was augmented to nine people, and the aircraft carried four medical officers, five nursing sisters, and four medical orderlies to provide in-flight care. All patients arrived in Australia without incident. In January 1966, due to the increased tasking in many destinations in Southeast Asia, the e-couriers were renamed to provide more clarity on where C-130s were going. And these were the Vung Tau or VT courier, which flew from Richmond to Darwin to Vung Tau and Butterworth, and then back again. And that courier often flew in theater missions while they were there. Another courier was called the Medivac or MV courier, and it was set up to specifically provide aeromedical evacuation services, flying a route from Richmond to Darwin overnighting, then Butterworth overnight, then Vungtau, and then Butterworth again overnight, and back to Richmond. And I managed to come across a record for one of those, which indicated a Butterworth to Richmond leg, which was flown in 12 hours and 25 minutes, which is a pretty good pace, and that was done in July 1967. Another courier was called the Fan Rang courier, or PG courier. And it was similar to the MV and VT couriers, but specifically tasked to Fanrang. At that time, the air logistics courier flights were also renamed, but we're not going to go through those today. In addition to the scheduled couriers to Vietnam, occasionally there were surges into Vietnam. For example, Operation Winter Grip involved three C-130As flying from Darwin to Vung Tau to rotate fresh units into Vietnam to replace five RER and six RER. Over 2,400 personnel were flown to and from Vietnam on approximately 70 sorties that logged 668 hours over the April to June time frame in 1967. A similar surge deployed two squadron from Butterworth to Phan Rang in April 67. There were also occasional intra-theater missions flown in support of combat operations. Unfortunately, the unit history sheets are so abbreviated as to have almost no detail regarding locations of these missions, or what they did. The last major air logistics support operation of the combat phase of the Vietnam campaign was the withdrawal of one ATF 
and the last C-130 flights in that phase of Australia's Vietnam contributions flew out of Tan Son Nut on the 1st of March 1972. These major Hercules operations facilitated the rapid relocation of troops in and out of Vietnam, something that wasn't possible in such a short time frame without using C-130s. And after the redeployment of one ATF and the final withdrawal of one Australian logistics support group in early 1972, the last regular C-130 courier to Vietnam left Richmond for Saigon via Butterworth on the 5th of March 1972 and it was flown by squadron leader Dave Marland in A97-160. The only ADF element that remained in Vietnam after that time was the Australian Army Training Team Vietnam. Within days of being sworn in as Prime Minister, Gough Whitlam ordered the Australian Army Training Team Vietnam to withdraw, and that was done using C-130s commencing in mid-December 1972. The strategic expectation was that the security in Vietnam would come through peace negotiations and that follow-on ADF operations would not be required. This expectation held firm in that the ADF did not return to Vietnam with large-scale combat forces. Of course, we all know what happened afterwards, and in 1975, South Vietnam fell apart, and RAF C-130 operations were renewed in that part of the world, but that's what we're going to talk about in our next episode. That's a wrap for today, and if you know anyone that loves aviation, military history, or was a passenger on a C-130, please tell them about the Workhorse Podcast, or send a link to your friends. Thanks for listening. <laughs>